We have a very special episode of Human Events Daily for you today. The white paper revolution is sweeping across China. And I'm going to give you the inside information as only I can. I'm going to talk about what it was like when I lived there, my experiences, and a way forward for the people of China. Also an explanation of why we're seeing what we're seeing now. And why is it that the administration and Western leaders have been completely silent in the face of it? But folks, I want to remind you also that we have a summit coming up and your attendance is requested. This summit will take place December 17th to the 20th at Phoenix, Arizona. That is the location. 17th to 20th December is the date. The title, America Fest. You must come together. You must get your tickets. Secure them now. Amfest.com, promo code POSO. They've got a great sale that's on right now. It's the Black Friday sale. It is extended throughout today. After tomorrow, goes back to the regular prices. Myself, Tucker Carlson, Charlie Kirk, Steve Bannon, all the biggest minds in the conservative movement are coming together. And we are going to lay out a plan forward, a plan ahead, a plan for America. Make sure you're there. Let's get into it. In responding to the sudden outbreak of COVID-19, we've put the people and their lives above all else and tenaciously pursue a dynamic zero-COVID policy in launching an all-out people's war to stop the spread of the virus. So I've talked about this before, and for two years I lived in Shanghai. I lived in Puto District, which is just north of the French concession. And when I lived there, it was very interesting because people always ask me, you know, what's it like living in China? Did you like it? I say, I never really know how to answer the question. I say, well, it was interesting. I learned a lot. I learned to speak Mandarin. I learned an entirely different culture, an entirely different way of life. Was it safe? Sure, it was safe because it was a police state. But at the same time, I also learned what it was like to live under a totalitarian dictatorship known as the CCP. So sure, you can go and you can go shopping, you can go watch your Hollywood movies, the ones that are allowed to be released, and you can go and uh, go eat food, and sure, Chinese food is great, I loved it, obviously I lived there for two years, but you can't speak out. That's the number one rule. And that's the rule that the people of China learned on June 4th, 1989, the bloody Tiananmen Square Massacre. They learned that you can have personal freedom, economic freedom, perhaps, but only within the confines of the power of the CCP. Only the CCP can have political power, political freedom. There are mass protests spreading 
throughout all of mainland China. It started this weekend. We did an emergency broadcast just from the basement of my parents' house where I was visiting for Thanksgiving because we didn't know this was going to happen. But here's what happened. Well, you and your family were eating your Thanksgiving dinners all the way across the other side of the planet, across the globe, in the city of Romchi, capital of Xinjiang, in a building full of, of Uyghurs and Han Chinese citizens. It caught fire. Well, that building had been under three months of extreme lockdown measures, lockdowns that if you go back to our show from October 11th, we told you about, we called it the lockdowns from hell. And we talked about the zero COVID regime that Xi Jinping had instituted as a mark and a display of fealty towards him as the new emperor because he was demanding it and the local cadres were trying to outdo each other with their displays of fealty. This high rise, people have been welded into their, their homes, doors shut, cars were strewn about outside. There was no way for anyone to get in. There's no way for anyone to get out. And the people were trapped like this for months. We talked about how it started in Shanghai, but it moved to every city across the country. Well, then what happened? While you were eating Thanksgiving dinner, a fire broke out in this high rise on the 15th floor. And if anyone who's ever lived in a high rise in any city in the world knows, a fire breaking out on a high floor is one of the most dangerous and deadly things that can happen. But here's what happened to those people. They were locked inside their homes by their own government. They were forced inside. They were stuck inside. And their loved ones were forced to listen. While these people, Han Chinese and Uyghurs, burned alive at the order of the Chinese Communist Party. This was a massacre. This was the Xinjiang massacre. And Western media is barely even talking about what sparked these protests. They're acting as if it's just sort of happening spontaneously overnight. Well, there was a powder keg that had been building for months and months and weeks and weeks that led up to this. And what happened on Thanksgiving Day in China, it was a massacre. And the people all across China are now coming forward. And they're holding up pieces of paper, blank pieces of paper. Why? Because they know you can get arrested for holding up an anti-government slogan, an anti-party slogan. So they're holding up blank pieces of paper and they're calling it the Ming, the white paper revolution. Because to protest censorship, they're just holding up blank pieces of paper. There's another thing they're saying. They're saying, Gong Chan Dang Xia Tai. Gong Chan Dang Xia Tai. Take down the CCP. They're chanting it in Mandarin. The first place that I saw this was in Shanghai, but then I realized that it's going on in cities across the country. It's even taking place in Beijing, just a couple of miles from Tiananmen Square. And trust me, the people of China understand what that means, a protest in Tiananmen Square. They're also saying another phrase, 起来不愿做努力, 
Darenming. Arise those who refuse to be slaves. Believe it or not, that's the first line of the Chinese national anthem. See, the problem with running a revolutionary regime and a revolutionary rhetoric with revolutionary rhetoric is that eventually that rhetoric can be turned against you. And that's what we're seeing happen right now across every single major city across China. The people of China are proxies for the American people and every single freedom-loving human being on this planet. And we're going to explain more. But I want to tell you something else. Because we know that we're faced with threats to our freedom and our security here in the United States. Because every single day you see a new story in the news about someone who's just the victim of a violent crime. And some of us think that we're ready to defend ourselves against evil. And the truth is, honestly, you're probably not. That's only possible if you train and train often. But with inflation causing the price of ammo to skyrocket along with gas, getting to the range is not as easy or affordable as it used to be. Well, thankfully, there is a better way to train with your firearm in the comfort and privacy of your own home. It's called iTarget Pro. This revolutionary system develops muscle memory, reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger control, and so much more. Even better, it costs less than a day at the range. Right now, save 10% plus free shipping with promo code POSO when you go to itargetpro.com. Just get yours, download the iTarget app, load the laser bullet into your firearm, and start training. iTarget comes in most calibers from 9mm to 223, so you can train with almost any firearm. This is the easiest and most cost-effective way to train, and it pays for itself in a single day. itargetpro.com, itargetpro.com, promo code POSO. This is the best Christmas gift that you can get for any shooter out there this season. I uh, respect uh, China's achievements, which are tremendous over the last uh, over 40 years. I think it's um, a role model for many countries, but I think also uh, we should leave it to each country uh, to make its own decision what system it wants to adapt. And I think we should be very careful in imposing systems. But the Chinese model is certainly a very attractive model for quite a number of countries. So just heard from Klaus Schwab there. And I, I talked about in the previous segment, by the way, my producers mentioned to producer Angelo goes, hey, Poso, you, you forgot the whole intro. So, OK, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily powered by Turning Point USA. Today is November 28th, 2022, Anno Domine. And I just said, look, I, this story, it, it hits me in a different kind of way. All right. And I said, I have to get into this because. I feel like no one is telling the story. I feel like Western media are being muted. Western leaders are being completely silent because who in the West can actually talk about this, right? Who, Justin Trudeau, when he cracked down on the truckers, remember Hong Kong, remember the trucker protests in Canada, brutally trampling elderly women with horses. 
in the capital of Canada, this was done. Remember the farmers, the brave farmers of the Netherlands, the Gilets Jaunes in France, the Yellow Vests. Everyone who's been protesting against the lockdowns, against the mandates, these are the freedom fighters. And you understand we have a national axis, a transnational axis that connects our opponents. There is a transnational elite. And you hear Klaus Schwab making the case, making the pitch for them just there. What's he saying? He wants the China model imposed here in the West. He has a name for it, by the way. What's the name for the China model as he views it, as he interprets it through the West? It's called the Great Reset. You may have heard a little something about that from Klaus Schwab. He wrote an entire book about it because he understands that we are in a fourth turning. And he understands that new institutions, new systems, perhaps even new governments are going to arise at the end of the fourth turning. He wants to be the one in the driver's seat. They're trying to redefine freedom. They're trying to redefine liberty. They're trying to redefine religion itself. In many cases, by the way, they're trying to replace religion with this. They're even trying to replace what it means to actually be human itself because they want you. They want you like a good little citizen welded into your home. And that if something goes wrong and you can't get out, well, that's too bad for you. We're so sorry that happened. Gee, we'll do better next time. The flames couldn't even be put out or extinguished by the fire hoses because they couldn't reach in because the cars had barricaded like an impenetrable fortress, this high rise. While children, children are trapped inside. And the administration, our administration, oh, we respect the right of uh, protest. And, you know, we just we really want to ma- emphasize that everybody needs to get vaccinated and boosted. And that's very important. Biden, completely silent. Mr. Defend Our Democracy. Listen to the difference between the way that Joe Biden talks about the butchers of Beijing versus the way that he talks about his own citizens, if you happen to be what he calls a MAGA American. Listen to the difference. You know who his enemies are. You know who his patrons are. The laptop, the Hunter Biden laptop, and I saw a lot of people saying they criticized conservative leaders last week for announcing a new investigation into the laptop. You need to understand the laptop is not the be-all, end-all. That's just the predicate. That's just the predicate. We know a crime has occurred here. It's a roadmap. We're coming after the entire Biden crime family. It's not just Hunter. This is the brother. All right. This is the big guy. This is Dr. Jill Biden. And yeah, don't forget, Jill, I've got those emails too. The ones where you're telling Hunter, hey, make sure you pay for the contractor. Hey, make sure you pay for this. Hey, make sure you pay for that. Make sure you get this prepaid debit card. Hunter Biden was the bag man, but it was the family's operation. And they're up to their ears in Chinese money. They're up to their ears in Chinese yuan, renminbi. And they don't care if the people of America are in the way. And if there's anyone who gets in their way in America, well, guess what? We get the crackdown. 
We're the ones who get our government turned against us. You get called a domestic terrorist. You get called an insurrectionist. You get called a threat. You get put on the terror list. You're the one, by the way, that had your job shipped overseas, that had your factory shut down. So that the financial capitalists, the hyper-capitalists of Wall Street and the Bush family, the Clintons, and all the other richy riches, well, they get Elysium, but what do you get? You get divorced, then you lose custody of your kids, you have no prospects, and you wonder why deaths of despair are up in America today. Why people are turning to fentanyl, why men are turning to suicide. Veterans, they force you to go and fight overseas for a country you never heard of, against an enemy that has never done anything to you. Your friends die, your friends get blown up, then you get brought home and told, oh, by the way, there's no job for you. Sorry about that. Here, here's a couple of bucks a month. Get by. Well, maybe we don't want to just get by. Maybe we want to actually live. Live the life that God intended for us. Live the lives that we were meant to have without these criminals standing in the way because of their deals. And we're going to break down to that in the next segment. These deals that they made with the devil, with the Chinese Communist Party all the way back in 1989, in the blood-soaked cobblestones of Tiananmen Square. That's where globalism arose from the dark specter of globalism. And we're going to explain this in great detail. We're going to go into it. And remember, this is not a conspiracy. These are the things that happened in real life to you, to me, to our families, and what we have to fix, and we will fix. How concerning is the outbreak in China? We see the lockdown in Shanghai and the State Department now ordering families out, all non-essential workers out of Shanghai. Well, China has, has a number of problems, two of which are that their complete lockdown, which was their approach, a strictest lockdown that you'd never be able to implement in the United States, Although that prevents the spread of infection, and remember early on, they were saying, and I think accurately, that they were doing better than almost anybody else. But lockdown has its consequences. You use lockdowns to get people vaccinated so that when you open up, you won't have a surge of infections because you're dealing with an immunologically naive population to the virus because they've not really been exposed because of the lockdown. The problem is that the vaccines that they've been using are not nearly as effective as the vaccines that are used in the United States, the UK, EU, and other places. The problem is the vaccines aren't enough. They're just not vaccinated enough. Look at this guy. He's like a salesman for vaccines, right? So Fauci, to his credit, at least admits that the Chinese lockdowns the insane lockdowns that were going on throughout the summer, throughout the fall, would not be able to be used in the United States. Yes, that's right. By by the way, I think the Second Amendment would also have something to do with that because as Chairman Mao, of course, once famously said, political power grows from the barrel of a gun. But so to understand where all of this came from, we have to go back to 1989. We have to go all the way back 
this idea of why you know why are we treating this mafia organization like the CCP, a transnational mafia? That's what they are. That's all they are. Why are we treating them like a legitimate government? Why are we treating them as a peer? Well, it's simple. June 4th, 1989, that's the date of the Tiananmen Square massacre. And those protests, by the way, were much larger, far larger in scale than what we've seen so far with the white paper revolution. We'll see, right? We will see. And we pray for the people of China. We absolutely pray for them. But the Tiananmen Square massacre, those protests, they lasted for seven weeks until they were destroyed in tanks and the bodies and the blood on the cobblestones of Tiananmen. Those also, by the way, took place across the country. We just don't know about them as well because the, the Western press wasn't in every city, but there are scattered reports of uprising and protests that did take place in many of the major cities. The difference now is that we have social media. People can share them. It gets out to social media and before the censors can take it down, which by the way, the Wu Mao army has been completely unleashed. Those are the people who get paid to post on social media. Those botnets are being posted are all throughout Twitter right now. So hopefully Elon Musk can do something about this, which is another guy who has, has ties to China right in Xinjiang. So let's see. Let's see. That's why I said I'm not an Elon fanboy. That's why I've always said that. But what the Wu Mao army is doing now is if you search under a city name, if you search under certain keywords, protests, they're flooding Twitter with uh, fake advertisements, pornography in some cases, uh, just complete nonsense as, in attempt to cover up the protest so that you can't search for them so that it makes it very hard to find it because they can't get the, the videos taken down on Twitter. Right. But what they can do is they can try to cover up you trying to search them. So when I was trying to search them, you find all this crazy stuff on Twitter right now. That's an operation. You have to understand that's a state sponsored operation that's called the Wu Mao army. But going back to 1989. So June 4th, 1989, the CCP is on its last legs. They're isolated. They're at a weak point. But did the U.S. government do to them what the West did to Russia in the face of the Ukraine invasion? Did they isolate them? Did they kick them out of the world financial network? Did they say that we're going to cut you off in trade? No, it was the exact opposite. Brent Snowcroft, one month, one month after the Tiananmen Square massacre, goes and sits down with the butchers. And what does he say? Sits down with Deng Xiaoping himself. And they come up with a deal. They say, we're going to bring you into the World Economic Organization, or the World Trade Organization, the WTO, right? One of the precursors to the WEF. We're gonna bring you into the world financial system. We're gonna continue. We're gonna even increase foreign direct investment in FDI in China. And here's the way it's gonna go. You provide the slave labor, we'll provide the intellectual capital, the IP, and we'll all make trillions. Because they were looking at the trillions of dollars they had in front of them. And they said, look, we're going to prop you up. We're not going to let you go down the way the China or the, uh, uh, the Communist Party of the Soviet Union went in the fall of the Soviets. No, 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 no. We're going to give you a lifeline. And we're going to be good buddies together. And we're going to be the senior partner. And you're going to be the junior partner. And we're all going to be rich together. That's where the seeds of globalism were birthed out of the blood-soaked cobblestones of Tiananmen Square. Now they waited 10 years. Okay, but 1999, 10 years later, boom, right into the WTO, boom. Whether it's Clinton, whether it's Bush, whether it's every single president up to President Donald J. Trump, 
we bent over and kowtowed to the Chinese Communist Party. And he's the only person that has put economic nationalism first. The only politician in our lifetime who has put the economic well-being of the American people and understands that that comes down to two issues. And I've always said that the MAGA movement, the new right, whatever you want to call this thing, is centered around those issues. Trade and immigration. Trade and immigration. And when it comes to trade, the CCP, CCP is indelibly linked. And so when people ask me, they say, well, Poso, you're... Mr. America, first, why you talk about China? Because it's linked to our ruling class. This is where our ruling class derives their wealth and power. If you do not understand that, then you know maybe you just shouldn't talk in public because you don't know what you're talking about. You're an idiot. You're a fool. And maybe just you know go do something else. Go scream on YouTube. Understand this. We pray for the people of China. We pray for the Lao Baixing, the old hundred names, as we've always said, they were the first victims of the Chinese Communist Party, and they are the current victims of the Chinese Communist Party. If this is able to sustain itself, if some faction of the elite sides with the people, we'll see. We'll see. For right now, though, my prayers go out to the people of Rumchi, the families of those who died to the people all across China. And honestly, I'm just thinking of the people who I knew when I lived in Shanghai, the people who welcomed me, the people who were always kind to me, even, by the way, many of the Uyghurs who lived in Putua district, right on the same street as me. I'd see them, get some breakfast at their stands. We'd shop on Fridays and Saturdays together. They're good people. They don't deserve this. No one deserves this. Because all people around the entire country desire and deserve a chance at their own individual freedom for themselves and their families. Ladies and gentlemen, you have my permission to lay ashore.